if in the first 50 to 100 days, people don't see real practical change that addresses the pain of poverty and healthcare, if we don't see a real competent, just COVID relief, we run the danger of people getting to the point of Lorraine Hansberry's wisdom. And that is what happens to a raisin in the sun. We are witnessing America as a failed social experiment. How do we tell this story in a way that builds the kind of emotional momentum that colorblind ideology builds? So many young brothers and sisters of the younger generation find themselves so far removed from the best of their past. What are we going to make out of the nothing we've been given? How do you envision possibility? Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Tightrope, where we love to have a serious and love-infused conversation and try to keep our balance on tough issues. And in keeping with these themes, we have a part two of our fabulous conversation with Reverend Barber. We're looking forward to hearing your feedback on it, but Dr. West and I, we had a fantastic time. So enjoy. It's the story of a very precious and fragile democratic experiment on the road to self-destruction, on to organized greed that morally blind, to institutionalized contempt and hatred that disempowers. And then the question becomes though, and I'm glad you talked about both parties in this regard because we don't view them as identical, but neither one is hitting the depths of the suffering that you're talking about. How do we get people, you and Sister Thea Harris, and thank yep. God for her magnificent work as well. Uh, how do you get the third reconstruction? I'm referring to your marvelous text, your marvelous book. How do we get that at the center of our vision so we can have masses of people, millions of folks showing up in June? That's right. Well, that, that becomes the question because it, it can't be just cursing the darkness like That's Jesus, right. it also has to be the bringing of a new way. It, it, it can't just be thou shalt not. It must be blessed are they, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you have to first help people see the gravity of the problem and then put yes. a faith on it in order to mobilize it. The transformation is coming from the Valley of Dry Bones. It always does. That's where the hope is, in the Valley. But you got to even help those in the Valley to see their power united, right? But you also have to help them see how they got in that valley. You know, I'm using this biblical imagery from Ezekiel, how they got in the valley and it's not their fault, right? It is mm -hmm. forces. Let me, if I, you don't mind, I do a, a, a little biblical exegesis. And for your listeners, just, just go to Ezekiel chapter 22 and read it in the Message Bible and then read Ezekiel 37. It's interesting in Ezekiel 22, it says, your priests are lying to the people and your politicians have become like wolves devouring the people and your priests are telling them it's okay and saying to them things God never said. Therefore, injustice is right. In other words, it's because of this unholy connection, which is why you can't leave white religious nationalism out of this critique, right? This unholy 
connection between the religious culture that's supposed to be a critique of society when it ceases to do that. You said that in your book, Race Matters. You talked about if that ever goes, that prophetic religion, then there's nothing else to keep the empire from going all the way. To, all you know, the way, just like, idols, idols take over. That's idols right. Calf takes over. Everything takes over. And so Ezekiel says, that's what happened. And therefore there was all this injustice in the land. Then God asked a question of, he says, can I find a person that will stand up in the gap, in the gap? Then the text says, God said, I couldn't find anybody. So then he sends Ezekiel to the Valley of Dry Bones and say, that's where you're going to find them. <laughs> so, the only, <laughs> so the only foundation for the country is going to be this coalition, this moral fusion coalition, kind of using some of the model from the 1800s where you bring poor and low wealth, black people, brown people, white people, Asian people, native people together. And even with some people of wealth with a conscience and academics and, 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 and legal experts and all coming together in a broad agenda, willing to both change the narrative first by putting a face on poverty because we've even been lied to, you know, poverty by Republicans is racialized, Democrats, they run from it. I mean, you mm. think about it, they say today, Democrats now will have the presidency, they will have the House and the Senate. Well, we had the same thing in 2009, but it did not translate into healthcare for everybody. It did not well, translate we, into- We, we, couldn't, we couldn't get Brother Barack Obama to say the word poverty, even though he right. got Martin Luther King Jr. statue in the Oval Office, he couldn't say the word. That's why we had poverty tools around. The whole, not only him, the whole, Demo the whole I've challenged Democrats and asked them, why can't you say poverty? And you know what um, Pete Buttigieg said in the at my church when he came to do a, um, a, a forum? I asked hmm. him straight up. I said, why is it that you all can't say poverty? He said, well, I'm not supposed to say this. I think the Holy Ghost got on it. He didn't know what had happened because he wasn't supposed to tell it. He said, <laughs> he said the consultants tell us not to. See, this is what I'm talking about. Why, yeah. why, why not? What do they say? He, why? Said, he said, they tell us that poverty doesn't poll well among poor people and poor people don't like to be called poor. I said, that's a lie because I'm among poor people all the time. Poor people aren't ashamed of us saying the system creates poverty. They're ashamed that, you know, we should be ashamed of creating all this poverty, but poor people don't mind. But again, it's not even true. Mm. It's just some folk that, that come up with this and some right. graph or something. Right. That they, you know, they, it's like statistics. They can make them say whatever they want to say. The bottom line is though, he admitted that. And so you gotta change the narrative by putting a face on it. You gotta put a face on it by organizing in Appalachia in Alabama, by organizing in North Carolina and California. You, you gotta be in the rural area. You asked me about how do you organize in the rural area? You know, we put a thousand callers in Texas into Georgia, contacting a million poor and low wealth people who had not voted, but tend to lean more progressive. We put a hundred people on the ground in rural communities organizing because we knew that if just 25% of poor and low wealth people that didn't vote last time voted this time, they could have a major impact in the, in the Georgia election. And we did that in 10 states uh, across this country. Uh, we know that there were there's 64 million poor and low wealth voters in this country right now. 29 million voted in 2016, but
but 34 million voted this time, a six, five million, a six, mm, 35 million, that's, that's a six million increase. increase. Now, that and 55% of poor low wealth people making under $50,000 voted for Biden Harris. So that's on the political side, but it can't just be electoral strategy. It's gotta be mass movement. It's gotta be organizing of people willing to do mass civil disobedience as necessary. We have to produce our own budget, our own agenda. We have to make sure that we put a face on this. So when we organize our stage, for instance, is never alone. If we have, we, we, we will have a white farmer from Kansas on the stage with a black woman from Alabama, both talking about these issues. Because listen, there's not a county in this country where working a living wage job, you can afford a basic two bedroom apartment. In rural America, they still have to eat and bread costs the same thing. We have white farmers that tell us the story of farmers committing suicide, but making it look like an accidental death so their families can live. It is only by bringing together those bones, those people, right? That's why this mass movement of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, we believe is centerpiece. And what we know is when Dr. King and, and the welfare rights workers were run out of town, Dr. King was shot and, and the movement was undermined. For since 68, there's been an all out effort to run the issue of poverty out of the public dialogue. Absolutely. Gotta change the face of poverty and the narrative. And we Absolutely. must put it back in the narrative. We must put it back in the face, which is why the way we've organized the Poor People's Campaign this, this time. Now we did, we did do one shift, several. Dr. King and others, and, and by the way, it wasn't just Dr. King, it was the welfare rights workers. And oh, that's right. National Welfare Rights Organization with Fannie exactly. Lou Hammer. That's right. You got to think about all of that. You Brother, know, George um, Wiley and all of that's that. That's right. That's right. And, 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 but they talked about going to DC and staying until. Analysis of that, and I talked to folk like Mary Wright Edelman and others, is that, you know, Doc was thinking about pulling back from that because poor and low wealth people can't, may not be able to stay until because the government has a way of surviving that they don't. So what we decided to do was why not build poor people camp coordinating committees in every state mm -hmm. that can start at the state legislatures and then when necessary mass in the capital, but create it so that they have a certain life and then we created a co-chair situation so that you, you can't get one get rid of one person and it's gone, right? right. But you also have this rebuilding from the bottom up and every coordinating committee, Dr. West, has to have tri-chairs, has to have a poor and low wealth person and a, a moral religious leader and an advocate who work as a tri-team in organizing the coordinating committee. And then mm. every coordinating committee is organizing at least 30,000 people in that state to be connected. Now, 30,000 times 43, we've got 43 states organized, is over a million people, over 1.4 million, that we can touch at any time. See, that's powerful. Was, but see, that's, yeah. that's, that's precisely yeah. part of your greatness that you're building on Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy. We can add Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel and Dorothy Day and right. the others but also Ella Baker, so that you got a democratized mode of leadership 
exactly it's difficult to target because i mean given the the fascist forces right now in the country that's now so open and emboldened to engage in vigilante attacks they can attack the capital they can attack uh, ordinary citizens and so forth and so on that our anti-fascist orientation our counter-fascist one has to be one in which that has that kind of decentralized democratic leadership because it's true now those who follow jesus into that temple and we know that temple was the largest edifice on the east side of rome you had the banks you had massive legal troop of uh, military troops on the side of that temple so when he went in there and ran out those money changers it was like white house pentagon hollywood harvard university duke university brown university silicon valley not in a monolithic way but those who are tied to the greed and the corruption that's right and when you fight greed and corruption you end up fighting folk in both parties you end exactly. up fighting folk who look black white red yellow who fight male female straight gay binary non-binary it's a human thing mm -hmm. and the counter forces are going to be all those colors too even though i do believe in terms of leadership it's going to be disproportionately black only because we still have folk like yourself who are vital serious service oriented sacrificial prophetic mm -hmm. folk willing to live and die for yeah so it's, and, not, a matter, it's not a function of skin pigmentation no. it's a function Tradition. of your spirit, your tradition, and the integrity and solidarity. That's right. And, you, and you're right. You have to factor in cross anytime you do this work. There's no yeah, that's such true. thing. And so what we have tried to do is say how, when we started, Dr. West, we didn't start like getting 100 national organizations. We right. looked at even right. the civil rights movement. We looked at the fusion movement of 1800. Those movements started from the bottom up. That's true. Change came from Montgomery, Birmingham, Greensboro up, not DC, New York down. Mm -hmm. So in 217, when Trump won, in 218, we went to we were invited to 38 states to build from the bottom. Now, some people challenged us and chastised us and said, How can you have a poor people's campaign? You don't start with national organizations. We said we need to nationalize states. Because the mm -hmm. truth of the matter, most of our damage to poor people's thoughts because of what happens in state capital which then gives power for folk to do what they do in federal capital. Now, I'm not arguing for states' rights that, that way, just the state right. focus, but right. voting right. rights determine at the state level, all right? Mm -hmm. You can block healthcare at the state level, right? Mm -hmm. You can block, determine whether to raise the minimum wage at the state level. You can also do it federally, but the changes that we've seen in the minimum wage and increase have happened at the state level. So we said, let's build this group of poor and low wealth people trusting in the agency of poor and low wealth people with moral leaders, with advocates, not Absolutely. for them, for poor people, but with them. Secondly, do your homework. So if you already know that the first thing folk gonna throw at you is that this is socialism, write your own budget, right? Write your own budget, get the best economists and others that know this stuff like Joseph Stickler who talks about the price of inequality, not the price to fix it, but what's the price to leave it the same? Like $1 trillion a year lost from child poverty, $2.6 trillion a year lost from gender and wage gaps, 
1.3 trillion dollars in government revenue lost by lowering the corporate tax rate. 3.3 trillion dollars lost annually when we don't act on climate change. We have to show the cost of poverty, not the cost to fix it, but what is the cost of it staying the same. And then after that, lay out your agenda and show how moral policy is also good economic policy, right? It makes mm -hmm. sense. If, if we right now went to $15 an hour, 39 million people would rise up out of poverty, low wages, and 71 million families would be lifted. And then the next thing we did was, well, actually, before we even did the budget, we did an analysis to find out what were the five interlocking injustices. That's what we came away with, systemic racism, systemic poverty, ecological devastation, denial of health care, the war economy, and the false moral narrative of religious nationalism. And we wrote a book using one of your things you talk often about, W.B. Du Bois. We called it The Souls of Poor Phil, Auditing America 50 Years After the Poor People's Campaign. Now, what we found out is that all the measurements are off. America's been lying to herself because the very poverty measure that was created 55, 56 years ago was wrong then. And so in 2017, people were telling us there are 39 million poor for we, we found out there's 140 million poor and low wealthy. You gotta change the narrative. Yeah. Poverty yeah. is not just that person out there homeless. There are folk walking around every day dressed nice that are $400 away from economic disaster. And then you've gotta bring those people's agency into this, this gathering. So we, and we call them interlocking injustices. In other words, fusion organizing says, we don't want you in a coalition that when you win your thing is transactional, you leave. We That's want right. you in it so that we got white folk arguing against racism, black folk arguing against economic equality and ecological deficit. And we're not leaving until we win all of this. So it's not transactional, That's it's right. fusion. We, we, it's we fusion. tied in this together. That's yeah, right. It's H2O. Too much oxygen, people don't realize just force down will kill you. Hydrogen will kill you. Too much oxygen will kill you. But mixed right, you get water, which nobody can do without. But it only comes through fusion. That's right. That's it only right. comes through fusion. And you got to have fusion politics. Then you've got to go on the road, build from the bottom up. And then we did a launch. You actually talked to us in the middle of it. In 2018, we did a launch. 2017, we wrote Souls of Poor Folk. 2018, we went on a tour. We launched on Mother's Day. And for six weeks, we did a test. Can we have six weeks of simultaneous civil disobedience? Can we do this? Mm -hmm. We tested it. And we were able in 43 states to put all the different states. states. I remember that. We were, in, we were in Washington, D.C. together. Exactly. We were in together. I exactly. remember that. That was designed, right? Yeah. That was a design. Let's see what this. Then we launched it. Then we went back on the road. Then in 2019, we had a Congress. Since they have GPAC, we had IMPAC, Moral Poverty Action Congress, had a 1,200 people come together all over the country, every race, creed, color, sexuality. And we put before the Congress Budget Committee for the first time in history, a budget from poor folk. Now, when they invited us to come in, they asked Liz and I to come. We said no, which is a common refrain, Dr. West. Liz and I will not meet with you if you won't let us bring poor and low wealth folk in the room. That's right. 
So we had, but we had, we had a Latino undocumented worker, a white farmer, a black woman from Alabama who lost a child because they didn't expand healthcare, and a white girl from Pennsylvania whose community has been destroyed by corporations pulling out and factories pulling out. And they made the presentation. Doc, I, I know our time is almost up, but let me tell you what happened in that no, room. No, let your spirit flow. Let okay. your spirit let me flow. Let me tell you what happened in that room. First of all, as we were making the presentation, we were laying out the numbers and we were laying out the budget saying, this is what we need to be fighting for. And this is how we could change and lift all of America because you can't do anything unless you lift from the bottom. Not you, Lifting from the middle, neoliberalism is not going to do it and trickle down show is not, sure isn't going to do it. Mm. We started talking and these legislators, Congress, we started scratching their head because we started calling their states and they didn't even know. <laughs> now, the Democrats made one mistake. They, every time they got the mic, too many of them wanted to give a speech rather than let the poor and low wealth people speak. Yeah. But the Republicans got mad and one guy said, I'm bothered today by these two preachers up here because we had stoles on Jesus was a poor man. Said, I, I, I don't think that's right for them to have these stoles. And I grew up a Christian and I never seen anywhere in the Bible where Jesus challenged Caesar. And when he said that, I said, hmm. And I asked to speak. I said, I think we have a greater problem in the American ethos and the American construct now that even than poverty. And I said to the chair, because I think the, the congressman just identified you all as Caesar. And if you all consider yourself Caesar, mm. and then you think Jesus didn't have anything to do with Caesar, we have a deeper problem. <laughs> I said, so you, are you serious? You really just identified yourself as Caesar? I said, but that is helpful to know. That's, that's clarifying, very yeah. clarifying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was the most yeah. honest moment you probably had in <laughs> yeah, a long yeah, time. Right. Exactly. And so exactly. If, if COVID had not happened, you would have seen a million people more than likely in the street June 20 of 2020 um, because we're building, right? We're building. Mm -hmm. And we're coming back to that. So, so, and so, but we also recognize lastly, to have a movement, you've got to build power. You can't just build critique. You've got to build power. That's why we commissioned the study on unleashing the power of poor and low wealth. But we really wanted to know what is the power. That's the key. And poor That's and low wealth people now make up almost a third of the electorate. It's almost as though, watch this, the stone that the builders have rejected <laughs> has now become a chief cornerstone. That's right. And we can activate. We don't even have to activate Dr. West 50%. Our data tells us that, as you say, that Ella Baker kind of stuff. Our data tells us in at least 15 states, several in the South, if we can organize 25% more of poor and low wealth people, and that's not a lot. It's, I'm telling you, I know the numbers. And, and for instance, in Florida, it wasn't but 100,000 votes because all we need is 4% in Florida, in Michigan. If we can organize them, not for the Dems, not for the Republicans, but for themselves, for an agenda, around an agenda, that can change who sits in the Senate, who sits in the presidency. 
let me ask you about this to follow up because it's very important. What, what you're saying is, is terribly inspiring. But if it's about a poor people's agenda and not about a given party, where does that agenda get represented? For example, if you have a party like the Democrats who make a claim to systemic racism being a problem and homophobia being a problem and this, that, and the other, but then they may in fact continue a kind of middle of the road, milk toast, neoliberal agenda, right? What, what would be different in the scenario you're describing than what basically could happen right now? Well, right? notice I didn't say non-political. I said non-partisan. I didn't say a non-voting. Right. So, originally, so in, in September 14th of this past year, we had a Moral Monday. Uh, called, we call it more. You see it on the back. Our mm -hmm. theme is we must do more. Mobilizing, right. organizing, oh, registering, yeah. educating people for the movement who vote. Very political, but not partisan. Hear me now. What that means is we said in this election we were going to show our power. We were going to mobilize. We now have clear data where in Michigan and Wisconsin and several other places, people would not have won without poor low-wealth people being mobilized. We, are, we mobilize people around an agenda. We say what you do when you have an agenda is what the movement, civil rights movement did in 64. You got the choice between Goldwater and a segregationist Democrat named Lyndon Bay Johnson. Mm. You know you don't want Goldwater. You pick Johnson and then you march on it. I see. That's what we didn't do in 2009 right. on Brother Barack Obama. Right. You pick that's up. That's what we should have done. That's what right. we should have done. And even <laughs> we thank we thank God Brother Warnack is making his move and this yeah. he's part of the great legacy yep. the black prophetic church of course student of the one and only james cone and coming out of union seminary but once these politicians get inside of the system mm -hmm. and only want to give you and thea harris and all of the precious hard-working freedom fighters of all colors disproportionately impoverished lip service exactly. but still are tied to corporate power that's right. like wanting to stay on Pontius Pilate's payroll and act like you're gonna follow Jesus into the temple and run the money changes out. You can't do it. And that's, why, and that's why Dr. West, the other piece of that, my sister, I'm glad you asked that. So a nonpartisan but very political movement, first of all, organizes people for the movement who vote. You don't organize people for the party, you organize people for their own movement who vote. Right. Then the people have an agenda. And in the in the right. midst of deep political study, you make practical decisions during the election, but you keep your prophetic edge after exactly. this. That's and the key. You make the election that you do not walk away from organizing after the electoral see electoral politics ends the day after the election. All right. the machinery goes away. In right. a movement, it's the exact opposite. Right. So yes. We, we were asked to meet with the Biden-Harris um, uh, policy team. You know, we didn't have to go to the media and whatnot. We were in conversation. We had, they asked to meet. So when they said, would you meet with us? I said, no. They said, well, can you get a few people? I said, oh, how many people you want to bring? 32. 32 people. Well, who you want to bring? I said, I want to bring poor white farmers, Appalachia, black folk from Mississippi. We're going to bring them. We're going to bring our economists. We're going to bring our lawyers. We're going to bring our public health specialists. 
We're going to bring some moral leaders and we're going to present to you our agenda. They said, well, we just want, we want to, and, 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 and to their, 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 I would give them, they listened, but we presented an entire agenda and said, this is the scorecard. This is what we are talking about when we talk about domestic violence. Now we said, we also now are going to have that mass poor people's assembly. And we are organized in all these states. And maybe, you know, we couldn't have it in the, 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 this year. Maybe it need to happen in the 20, 20, 2021. So we're gonna have that and we're gonna keep pushing and we're gonna relaunch Moral Monday right after the inauguration. Mm. On this agenda, cause see, it's not even marching on people is marching for our agenda. Yes, right. yeah. We're gonna be right there. We're not gonna say, ooh, the Democrats have power now. We could go home. No, our work is just beginning. Just right. beginning. Just exactly. beginning. We you learning know? that lesson. That, that's so important. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm with cool. Thurgood Marshall on this one. Thurgood Marshall even said, uh, when the LA Times asked him when he was retired from the Supreme Court, should a black person re uh, replace you? He said, well, not necessarily. Now he says, surely racists should come into the picture. I'm not against that, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, but um, the first consideration ought to be what kind of judicial vision they have. Absolutely. <laughs> and then he said, his daddy taught him a black snake can bite you just like a white one. I mean, that's Absolutely. So if you choose, I, If you're choosing between John Brown and Clarence Thomas. The John Brown. Right, yeah. brother, but said, one's in love with justice, fighting for poor people, the other side with the powerful and the wealthy. Right. They both human. They both made the image of God, but they making choices. They making choices, and that's the right. key. We are right now looking at the political landscape and what our organizing is going to be. And remember, we are a movement that believes in the six principles of nonviolent civil disobedience, regardless of who's in office. First principle is you make sure people know what you want. Yes, yes, yes. Negotiate. And then when you get to the sixth principle, it doesn't matter whether they're Democrat or Republican. If you need to get create civil disobedience nonviolently, whatever you need to do, or if you need to mobilize in a major way for voting, because see, we can do scorecards and we believe people are smart. We don't even have to tell people who to vote for. We have to show people what they voted for. I said to, to Biden and Harris, listen, your only hope for you is in the morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. If your policies don't address the morning, the pain that people are in, if you don't understand that this moment gives you opportunity to do something bigger than you might even thought or wanted to do. That's right. You will That's lose right. the people that, see right now people got hope on the tightrope. People that voted, they said, we know we don't want Trump and we're gonna try this one more time. That's really what they said. Because at least we hear living wages, $15 an hour, some more health care. So they said, we're going to try this one more time. If in, and we said, if in the first 50 to 100 days, people don't see real practical change that addresses the pain of poverty and health care, if we don't see a real co a competent, just COVID relief in every area from stimulus to wages to health care to, to vaccine distribution all of that all of that if we don't see an infrastructure plan that goes in poor and low wealth right. communities and and truly fight. if people don't see these things voting rights right expanding the vote they don't see it we run the danger see people are angry this time but we run the danger of people getting to the point of lorraine hansberry's wisdom and that is 
what happens to a raisin in the sun. And that's a dangerous place for people who still believe a little bit to get to a place of despair where they say, we tried it and you didn't even fulfill the basic stuff you said. So that's I say true. to them, y'all better run away from these so-called centrists and I'm you better at least fulfill the basics you promised. That's exactly right. I, mean, right. You, I'm not, I understand we can't get it all right now, but there's a whole lot that fit that living wage and education and voting rights and healthcare. That must be, that must be redirecting the Pentagon, some of this Pentagon budget, you know, Absolutely. more true domestic security and national security. If these things don't happen, then we run the risk of people saying, you know what? They all are not somewhat alike. They're just alike. Yeah. But all of them too addicted to Wall Street too and Pentagon militarism. Exactly. I mean, that kind of illumination you're doing, brother, you just don't know how much I love and respect you. People around the country and the world do. We know you're not doing this alone. You're doing this as part of the grand wave. That's it right. goes all the way back to the traditions of folk who are trying to pass on the best of integrity and honesty and decency and service to others and bearing witness of something greater than you with a mm -hmm. smile, with humor, embracing, but also willing to throw down and yeah. knowing you never sell out. See, that's a mm -hmm. crucial thing because with oh, the commodification of everything and everybody, people think everybody's for sale. Now, everybody's imperfect, but everybody don't need to be for sale. Yeah. <laughs> And, 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 and when part of not being see you, they say, Lord, this brother is the real thing. And that makes yeah. a difference, man. Makes a big difference. And, and part of not being for sale is making sure the folk are always in the room with you. I, I, had, I was invited by the Senate Democrats, 48 of them, to come and do a presentation on race. I said, nope. They said, you won't come. I said, not, not that way. They said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to bring my, one of my friends, a Kentucky coal miner. I want to bring a black low-wage worker. I want to bring a religious leader. It's just like I bring all these folks. I said, because we got to change this narrative. I want you to understand this is a move. They said, well, we've never had this many people make a presentation. I said, maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's mm -hmm. why you stay stuck because you still don't have put a face on these numbers. You know, so right. part of, you know, being being if there is a certain strength of honesty in community. God said it's dangerous for man to be alone. Oh yeah. And you but it, it's also it's also who you bring into the community to exactly. represent the exactly. broader public because it's not I mean you know it, there's both the claim and I think what's amazing about what you're doing in in this reframing of the story is that you're rejecting a kind of blacks only narrative about poverty but you're also rejecting the other version which is it's all class and it's not about race oh no no, so no no these are two very powerful stories that that i'm sure the the gravitational pull is constantly asking you to reframe yourself in the image of and and you're you're by refusing it you're actually illuminating alliances that are already in place but you're also creating space for more of those alliances yeah i was told not to use the language third reconstruction not to use the language fusion not to use the language moral uh not to start with racism but everywhere we go whether it's mississippi 
and which even in Mississippi, we have these diverse groups. I wish I, I told Dr. West, I want him to travel with me a couple of times when, when we can after COVID and see what's happening. And, and, but we always start with America's original sin. <laughs> and by the way, we don't just start just with the black portion of it. We even start with the indigenous portion. Of oh, it. that's right. the first one. That's, that's the first, first one. one. You see what that's I'm saying? What Empires do. Empires are looking for land and resources and will reduce right. the human beings there to buffaloes. That's oh, right. we, it's empty land and no human beings. It's just in Indians and buffaloes. No, those Indians are as precious as your mama. That's right. And, and that's you, the that's kind exactly of moral right. and we, spiritual and, tradition we come from. That's right. And when we went to Alaska and met with the native folk, we got corporate campaign in Alaska. We went out to met, met with the native people there and found out about all of the indigenous people. I didn't know, Cornell, and this was, I was ashamed to admit it, that our maps are even drawn racist because you can fit Texas and Alaska three times. I know, you would never know it from the way the, the maps are the way the maps That's are drawn. True. But we yeah. have that, we, have, we, we met, and even when we met with the uh, indigenous brothers, Apaches and other folk, they were amazed that there was even an invite that we would come and sit and listen. And, and they tell us, we say, because if you don't deal with that first story, then absolutely you can't dismiss absolutely. anybody's pain. You can't dismiss anybody who's been stepped on by the empire, who's been absolutely. kicked by the oppressor. But when I was in Standing Rock, they knew about you though, brother, because I talk about you where I go, because yeah. I talk about Martin and talk about you and Fannie Lou and Ella Baker and them. You know? But no, they knew about you in Standing Rock now. Oh, our indigenous brothers and sisters across nation came coming together. That was They're a coming together. And you know, when you think about it, even with this thing, I want to talk about COVID a little bit. You know, my daughter's a public health graduate from Harvard and Bennett College, went to Bennett in biology and then up to UNC and then Harvard. And she was telling me early on how bad this was going to be because she said, we've done all the models. We know that Trump is lying uh, and all of his folk are lying. But even now when we say people are dying, here's an, a, a, an analysis, uh, my sister, that we have to also make. So we're saying that black people and brown people are three to five times more likely to get COVID, right? And then more likely to die. Here's another analysis. Do you know they're not keeping the data on poverty? Right. Mm. They were keeping the data on race in the beginning. Exactly. So watch this. That's true. It's not just that black people are dying. It's, it's poor, poor people are dying. People. Even white people is poor and low wealth people. But there's an intentionality about not changing it. And that's, that's why we have to do this. Right. We always start with systemic racism because systemic racism is the teacher of the lies. You see all the other lies and the, and the learning of how to lie flows out of the lie that grows out of racism. It is the distortion upon which all of the other distortions flow. I was looking at these folk in the Capitol and looking at what's happened. For me, Cornell, in the midst of all of this, you know, COVID and being at home, I've had to live with the great cloud of witnesses. You know, when you can't be around folk, you know, I'm part Pentecostal. Yeah. I get, well, you ain't really never part Pentecostal. My, I grew up, my mom and dad and granddad were Pentecostal. And so, you know, the scriptures talk about this great cloud of witnesses. So as I've been isolated at home, I have an immune deficiency. So I have, I can't even really go out with masks the same way, you know, as everybody else. 
I've been spending a lot of time with, you know, Frederick and Ella and William Lloyd Garrison, mystic, you know, in a kind of mystic way, just reading their writings and, and, and imagining standing there with them, beside them, listening to them, going, going into that deep place. One day during the midst of this, I found myself in the spirit with Frederick in 1852 or 57, right after the Dred Scott decision. And Frederick was asked to speak in May. That decision came down in March, I believe. And Justice Tanning was forced onto the Supreme Court. Should have never been there. He was a slaveholder. And he, preside, he presided over the Supreme Court when they voted the Dred Scott decision. I think it was several slave owners on that court. And, and, and when the Dred Scott decision came down, people told Frederick, and William Lord Garrison, that white brother, you know. Oh, yes. A real evangelical. Oh, yes. They said it's over. It, 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 the abolition movement is done. Mm. And Frederick and, the, and thought about that. And then he was asked to speak. And, I, and, and they, in, in, in May, he did this speech before one of the abolition societies. And he starts out talking about how monstrous the decision was. He doesn't play. He doesn't, he doesn't lie. He doesn't, he doesn't tell the folk, oh, it's not that bad. Because, you know, hope never comes around this bad, comes through this bad. And uh, he, he doesn't lie. You know, he says, oh, this is bad. He said, he said, and any enemy like this always looks insurmountable because they have everything with them. The state is with them. The magistrates are with them. The army is, the, the military is with them. The, every, every, everything. But then he stops and he says, but there's also another story. He says, if the Supreme Court of the United States does not do such and such a thing, there's still the Supreme Court of God. He said, remember, David stood before Goliath, but ultimately David won the victory. He, go, he starts going through this. He calls it a different way of seeing. <laughs> a different mm -hmm. way of seeing. Division, you see. Right, right. Yes, yes, it yes. has nothing to do with not seeing Goliath. It actually sees Goliath, but it sees something else. See and something then else. he says, at the end of this, he says, this was as monstrous as this, this decision is. What if this is a necessary link in the chain of events toward the downfall of the entire system? Therefore, this action should only embolden and intensify our agitation. Mm. What that is where we are today. That's yeah. where what we if, are what today. What if God has let us all live, let you live, let me live. I didn't know you for years of my life. You didn't know me, all of us. Because in this moment, what we see as monstrous and ugly and imparish, if that make up a word, it is. These actions, blatant, bold, overt, out in public, may just be the necessary link in the chain of events toward the downfall of the entire oppressive system. Mm. Mm. So therefore, in this moment, it should embolden and intensify our agitation mm. for love, justice, and truth. That's it. That's it. Ooh, that's beautiful. That's the bottom that's, line. That's, that's it right the there. Bottom line. That is the bottom line. That's why we thank our dearly beloved Eleanor Barber and William Joseph <laughs> Barber the first for giving birth to you 
and shaping you and molding you and giving yourself, emptying yourself. That's kenosis to the least of these, but always with the humility. You know, self-righteousness because you find joy in doing what you do. Mm -hmm. See, that's our great tradition. Amen. That's a beautiful thing. Such a powerful way, brother. Thank Reverend God for, for, for allowing me to just come on. You don't know, this is a joy for me. I've always wanted to be in conversation with Dr. West and my dear sister, thank you. And I forgot to tell y'all, September 14th, we invited Trump and, and, and Biden to do a gathering. We had 1.2 million people online and gave each of them 10 minutes. Trump didn't show. But in that 10 minutes, Biden said that dealing with poverty was his theory of change. Now, he said it. We said that then we're gonna hold you to that. We got it on tape. He said, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and yeah. so we said, okay. Well, then we—if that's your theory of change, then we have not just the theory; we've got the practical application and the policies to do it. And we got the people. You got the and people got too. The people. That's right, right, right. In place. That's right. So oh, we're together God. with this. I'm so humbled, so thankful. And when COVID is over, uh, I'm gonna find you somewhere, Doctor West, and we'll break a little bread together. much everyone for being us with us again on the tightrope we had a fantastic time with reverend barber and we want to remind you that we are hoping you'll join us on various social media channels and follow us and share and let us know what you think and also we want to encourage you to visit patreon.com where we have a tightrope uh, account and where we're hoping you'll join us and and be part of our patreon community so visit patreon.com backslash tightrope pod and we really look forward to seeing you again next time take good care salute you my dear sister thank Appreciate you cornell that. good to see you <laughs> <laughs>